Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're finishing today in Joshua chapter 9. We've seen the Gibeonites come to the people of Israel, deceiving them, wanting a covenant with them for the purpose of protecting them from destruction. Joshua and the people do not inquire of the Lord here, as we read in verse 14. They make a covenant with the people of Gibeon in verse 15, and then they find out that the cities of the Gibeonites are literally right next door to where they have conquered already. So the congregation of the people of Israel are very upset with the people of Gibeon. They want to wipe them out, but the leadership restrains them from doing so because they have already made a covenant with Gibeon and they want to uh, be faithful to that word that they had made because they believe that if they break that covenant, the Lord's going to uh, bring his wrath and his curse upon them as well. So they let the people of Gibeon live as hewers of wood and drawers of water in their midst. Now, in verses 22 through 27, Joshua has a short speech that he gives to the people of Gibeon. So we'll read that together. Verse 22, Then Joshua called for them and spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, We are very far from you when you are living within our land? Now, therefore, you are cursed, and you shall never cease being slaves, both hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told your servants that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. Therefore, we feared greatly for our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now, behold, we are in your hands. Do as it seems good and right in your sight to do to us. Thus he did to them and delivered them from the hands of the sons of Israel, and they did not kill them. But Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place which he would choose. What we find out here is the conversation that occurs between Joshua and between the Gibeonites. We find out the Gibeonites' reason for their deception and subsequently what Joshua determined to do uh, with the people, which we've already heard in previous verses. So these verses uh, recapitulate, reshape what we understand about the conversation that occurred between Joshua as the leader of Israel and Gibeon and their leadership. So Joshua, first of all, in verses 22 through 23, addresses the people of Gibeon and says, what's going on? Why have you deceived us? Why did you say you were from far away? Because of this, you're never going to stop being slaves. You're going to continue to hew wood and draw water for the house of, of my God. So Joshua is saying, because of what you've done, you have earned slavery for yourselves 
uh, and for all generations. You're never going to stop. But their answer to Joshua is very interesting and very insightful into the thinking of this people and has some application for us today. In verse 24, they say to Joshua, It was certainly told your servants that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses, so they know Moses by name. The reputation of Moses has spread far and wide. It was commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. Therefore, we fear greatly for our lives because of you and have done this thing. So the Gibeonites perform this deception because they're afraid for their lives. They realize that the Lord has given the entirety of the land of Canaan to the people of Israel. And so they come to Joshua and the people of Israel deceiving them as a way to preserve their own lives. This is, in a sense, similar to what Rahab had done, but in a different direction, in a wrong way. And the way that it goes is uh, uh, unfortunate for the people of Gibeon and for the Israelites as well. When Rahab had received the spies, she essentially says, the same thing that the people of Gibeon say here, that she had heard about what the Lord had done in bringing Israel up out of, out of Egypt through the Red Sea, how he had helped them to conquer the kings of the Amorites, Sihon and Og. And because of these things, Rahab risked treason and being destroyed by her own uh, people, the people of Jericho and her king, to assist the spies. Here in Joshua chapter 9, the people of Gibeon hear about everything that the Lord's doing. They see all the evidence of destruction, and they believe that what's going to happen is the Lord's word is going to come to pass, that the Lord really is powerful to destroy them and wipe them out. And so they are concerned enough for their lives that they are desperate to preserve them. They will go to any length, any extreme, to try to uh, get in good with the people of Israel here. And so, of course, the way that they go about this is completely wrong, to attempt to deceive the people of Israel into making a covenant with them uh, was, was not a good approach. Now, I don't know if they had come to the people of Israel and presented truthfully who they were and where they lived and begged for mercy, I don't know what the outcome would have been. Uh, probably because of everything the Lord had said, uh, they would have been wiped out according to all the directions and instructions that the Lord had given. But I can't say that for sure because the people of Israel, if they had acted rightly, may have inquired of the Lord. And the Lord may very well have had mercy on this people who were coming to ask for uh, his mercy, mercy from his hand. Uh, the way that they go about doing this is all wrong, but the outcome, the result of it, is that they are taken into the camp of Israel made a part of the people of Israel. And because of that, 
they are under the protection of Israel so that they will not be destroyed by God's judgment and God's wrath sweeping through the land, but now they have attached themselves to Israel and have that protection. It's better to be, for the Gibeonites, a slave in the house of the Lord than a Canaanite free but dead at the hands of of the people of Israel as they're moving through the land, uh, ready to destroy everything. Well, we see Joshua in the final verses here, say to them in verse 27 uh, that they were to be hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place which he would choose. Ultimately, that place was going to be uh, the city of Shiloh for now in the history of Israel, the area where the tabernacle would come to reside, where the Ark of the Covenant would sit and the priests would perform their service there, and uh, hewers of wood and drawers of water, they would have needed a lot of water for the sacrificial system for cleansing, and a lot of wood for the fire. So they were allowed to be in close proximity to uh, the tabernacle area, Uh, which housed the Ark of the Covenant, the visible symbol of the power and presence of the Lord. One very interesting point that's brought out here uh, by an author by the name of Dale Ralph Davis, who's written a commentary on the book of Joshua, he points out here that there is a potential of hope for the people of Gibeon. And that hope is in being in such close proximity to the God of Israel and everything that's going on in the sacrificial system, maybe, just maybe, they would have seen what the Lord was doing, how uh, the people of Israel were to come before the Lord when they sinned, and how they were to worship the Lord, that they would have learned something about who God was and what God was doing, what God was like, And ultimately, the hope would be that through their uh, close association and their servitude to the people of Israel, that they might actually be blessed to know the God of Israel. This was sort of the whole intention of God uh, working through the nation of Israel, that through Israel, they could be a light to the rest of the world to display God and his glory and his character to everyone, everywhere. And so Gibeon here actually may have become the recipient of a lot of uh, God's, not only his mercy in, in not being destroyed at the time of the conquest, but really his grace here in being in such close association uh, with the God of uh, Israel that they may have even come to know God uh, as their as their own personal God. And so uh, whether that is the case or not, I think we could make some final lessons here as we close up Joshua chapter 9. First of all, uh, one of the theological insights that we glean from this chapter is that God is truth and desires for his people to walk in truth. Uh, we saw that they did not inquire of him, but based 
what they understood off of what they could see rather than really seeking the Lord's direction. Sometimes I think we go about in our Christian lives making decisions in a similar way based on what we think, what we can see physically and the evidence that's presented, but we don't necessarily look into God's word to seek what he would say to us. We ought to make decisions, not simply based on what seems good to us, but consulting the Lord, consulting his word, praying with him, to him about things, consulting with other believers in Christ. Another important application here comes from the Gibeonites' deception. They claimed that they were from far away, and everything about them seemed to present that reality. But internally, uh, when we get down to the truth of it all, they were next-door neighbors to the people of Israel. The application for us today is that not everyone who claims the name of Jesus Christ is really a true follower of Jesus Christ. You can look like a Christian and talk like a Christian and act like a Christian, but within your heart, the internal reality is not there. Some people are wolves in sheep's clothing. Other people are just pretending or they've deceived themselves into thinking uh, that they're followers of Christ, but really there's been no change of heart on the inside. I think a lot of that comes today from the idea that, you know, I've always gone to church. My parents go to church. We, that's what we do. But going to church does not make you a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible's very clear that salvation is by God's grace through faith in the word of God, in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done on our behalf. And if that faith is not a personal faith, well, the faith of your parents can't save you. The faith of your siblings or your family members does not save you. You have to make the decision to believe in Jesus as savior. So not all quote unquote Christians are true Christians. What about you? Have you truly trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you just pretending? Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.